and welcome to this week's episode from A Lancashire Lass with me, Lucy Baxter. So joining me today is a bit of a legend in the cystic fibrosis community. It's Mark Cotterell, but I'm going to let him introduce himself. How's it going, Lucy? You okay? I'm good. Yeah, are you? Yeah, really good. So for those listening, um, as you say, my name is Mark Cotterell. I'm a business architect. So I help businesses with improvement programs, projects, anything that really is going to help improve their business. That's my main job. But I'm also a digital creator. So I create content, both as a passion project for the CF community, and that's where you and I met. But also I work with businesses as well to create promos, ads, uh, write articles and all that kind of stuff as well. So the two fit really well together because, of course, when you're doing any business improvement work, you need to tell pe- people about it. So that's kind of where the content piece came from. And, um, yeah, at the beginning of 2020, I thought, sort of thought, why not create a bit of CF-related content as well? And I think that's when you and I started to get in touch and, and say hello and, and met. Yeah, the, the videos Mark makes are hilarious on his Instagram, um, like the reels and things he does. They're very, like you said, they are for the CF community. So obviously both me and Mark have cystic fibrosis. Um, and we're not like afraid to hide that. We're going to be quite open in sort of chatting about that today as well. But not just that, you know, there's so much more to both of us. And it's really important that we chat about the other exciting things as well. Um, Definitely. But just the way, in a nutshell, he just summarises something to do with CF, taking all the tablets or doing the nebulizer when the, the, um, the, you've run out of the discs and then it's like that old person on the nebulizer we use who's not changed his face for 50 <laughs> yeah. years or so and looks so outdated. But it's just really funny and it's very niche to like us people, but it's really appreciated and just puts a laugh and a smile on our faces, really. Um, and so there, how... there are so many CF-isms, aren't there, that really only our community understand. And uh, I think from my point of view, growing up, if you were sort of searching CF, you met with sort of really serious content everywhere you look, or, or that was certainly my view in the past, at least. Um, so, yeah, I just, just thought, do you know what? There are, there are so many funny aspects to living with CF. Um, that only we understand. So why not create some content around it? And exactly that, that CF thing where you're doing your nebs and for some reason you've got to put a token into the nebulizer in order to make it work. And there's nothing more frustrating when that runs out. And uh, (laughs) yeah, so whether it's that or or just something to do with generally taking the meds every day and getting bored with the consistency that you have to meet and the compliance, there are humorous aspects. And I always hope that people take on board that this is just a light-hearted look at life with CF despite mm. the seriousness you know yeah and there was one that you did when it was to do with sounds of things that were made with CF things like a car yeah. tablet part all those different noises and you made it into like sort of a groove that was really really <laughs> good um, yeah the um I, th- I think back in the day I don't know if I might be showing my age here but um nebulizers used to be sort of the loudest things going. It was like turning a lawnmower on back in the day for me anyway. I know I was chatting to a girl the other day with CF, um, my friend Harley, and uh, she was saying, you know the old school nebs, the e-flow? And I was like, that's not old school. That's not <laughs> that's, school. that's modern. <laughs> uh, you know, my old school version of a neb is like, you almost have to pull a cord and it, start, you know, it starts up like a lawnmower. Yeah. But yeah, everything we do in CF has got a noise and... Um, it can be quite annoying for other people. So, uh, yeah. think, you know, why not Why not make a beat out of all these noises? And, uh, yeah, it seemed to go down pretty well. There's it's all... good fun to make, anyway. Yeah. How long do these type of videos take to record, edit? Yeah, I guess, it's, I guess it varies. Um, so that one in particular, that took quite a while because obviously you've got to have sort of a vision of what you're doing first of all. So I always try and map out my notes functions in my iPhone are always filled with real ideas or whatever. And I've not, not done a huge amount in the CF space, but I guess for the last year I've 
I've done a few bits of longer form content, but then more re recently I've tried this sort of real thing. So yeah, my notes functions are always filled with ideas and I always try and think about, well, what does this look like when I've finished and then work back from there. Mm -hmm. So for that example, I was sort of, I've got a nice microphone here. So I set myself up, got all my treatments out and clicking and popping and, you know, sucking on the neb thing and blowing <laughs> into the aerobeaker and making all the noises. And I'm recording each of those snippets of audio as a sample. And then I've got a bit of software. You can get up a bit of a grid and start to organize all these things and process them. So I don't know, it was a good, it's a good three or four hours worth of just messing wow. around. <laughs> But we're in lockdown. There's nothing else to do. Yeah. <laughs> Outside of work, you know, you've got to find something to keep yourself occupied. And that's one of the things that I do, you know, record myself doing them and try to make something cool out of it. Yeah. And obviously, like we've both been shielding best part of a year. Um in March 2020, everything kind of went kaput and we all had to stay in. And you know, I was reflecting on that today. Like we didn't, we weren't allowed out for a walk until June. Mm -hmm. Like we yeah, weren't allowed yeah. out at all until June. And now as I reflect on that, I think like that was so, obviously they didn't know about the virus then, but that was very strict. Like we would have probably been okay to go on a walk, but everyone was so scared for us being so vulnerable. They didn't yeah, want anything yeah. to happen. It's um, a complete unknown, wasn't it? At that stage, I remember having this conversation with my CF team who said, because at the time I'd started couch to 5k. Because um, I just had, I know. <laughs> Like, yeah, I didn't have a great relationship with running myself, but um, trike after, which I'm sure we'll talk about, that came along and it was such a life-changing drug. It was like, okay, I've got CF, but I'm going to start running. And I'd just done maybe the first couple of weeks or so and this whole shielding thing kicked off. And uh, yeah, I can remember having the conversation with my CF team and exactly that. They said, you know what, you, you, you can't go out. Even even to the point where at first I was told not even to go in the garden. <laughs> yeah. You know, if you need fresh air, open a window. I was like, oh, great. Yeah, thanks very much. <laughs> I, what a wonderful life. I um, used to go on a drive. I would just take my car and I'd literally just go around the block in our village in my car just to listen to a yeah. song or, or something. Change of scenery. Yeah. And then I was told off because if my car broke down, I would have to walk home. Like it was so ridiculously strict. Like <laughs> when I reflect now, it was absolutely mental. But yeah, you're someone with CF who is, or from what I've seen on social media, very positive. You seem to do the best you can to stay well. Like I see you, you work out every morning or every other morning with your cute dog that you've got <laughs> um and have you always been into fitness and stuff like that then? yeah so um if we go way back so as a kid obviously there's two key messages i think parents who have children with cf get given in the outset and that is treatment compliance and physical activity those are your keys for the potential for a longer life so my parents were both quite sporty um Dad was a runner, you know, mum loved sport as well back when she was younger. So it was quite a natural thing for them to go, right, what can we get him into? So it was everything, you know, every team at school I was enrolled into, every local, whether it be football, rugby, athletics, the whole thing. But the one that really stuck was gymnastics. So when I was sort of five or six, I was taken along to North Staff's gymnastics club and, um, just got on really well with it just it was just amazing i just loved every aspect of it there was so much variety it didn't feel you know what it's like when you're a kid and you're playing sports it just felt like fun felt like play mm -hmm. uh, but there were also these amazing gymnasts that are surrounded by who were doing incredible things so as a kid the inspiration was there as well so throughout my childhood i was a gymnast that was my passion you know i thought that was me i was going to be in the olympics the whole thing and i did quite well you know cf threw up one or two obstacles along the way like not putting on enough weight and ended up having to have a tube in the stomach a feeding tube and then you're like well how do you manage that when you're doing flips and all that kind of thing and so there was all that to deal with but i managed to get quite far county wise i did some national stuff so I was always very active. 
after that, I moved into trampolining and tumbling for a while. So again, just doing flips and all this sort of stuff, which mm. at that time was just cool. Um, while still playing football and all the other things that went with it. And then I think it was around, I was around sort of 17, 18. And there's a whole other side to CF around body image and, and this nervousness that someone else might see it within you, you know, physically look at you and go, there's something wrong with that guy. So that was another side to it. But as I got to 17 or 18, that aspect was revealing itself even more and that, that conscious thought of what can I do so that I don't look like I have CF, even though it's an invisible illness and you mm. know, I'd, I'd challenge anyone out there to spot it in someone who, who doesn't have it at least. Mm. So yeah, lifting weights became like that potential option for me to get into. It's fun. It's going to keep me fit. It's going to challenge my lungs, but it's going to help me build, build up my body and look really healthy. So <laughs> that's, that's what I got into when I was about 18. Um, and I've pretty much trained five days a week ever since, apart from times where CF's gone. No, no, mate, <laughs> you are taking some time off. You need to go into hospital or whatever. Mm. So yeah, it's been a, a long slog. I'd argue, I would argue that having CF genes isn't the best for trying to build muscle because everything's against you, but a lot can be done with some grit and determination and consistency in the same way that being consistent with your meds is a great yeah. way to stay well. So what's your kind of deadlifting? Do you, did, you do deadlift? I do. What's your record? Um, PB. Um, probably about 180 kilos. Whoa. Which is um, what, about four plates a side? That's it's a fair I... few of me anyway. <laughs> yeah, because I used to like deadlift, bench and squat. Yeah. Um, at the gym, 2018, 2017, for about those, when I was like 16, 17, 18. Sure. Nine, yeah. And then um, I was like, I want to do 100% of my body weight, more plus what I could. Yeah, yeah. So at the time I was like 48 kilos, so very light. But then lifting that for me, like was such a big thing. And then I got, I got to 50 kilos and it gets so competitive with yourself because you're like, oh, just yeah. another two and a half on each side. Yeah. Um, and then like I got the grip things, the strap things to help and yeah. chalk. And I was like proper getting into it. Like yeah. I never liked the squat because I always felt like I could just fall back and I just didn't want to get stuck. But yeah. the deadlift like I really, really enjoyed. And then um, I moved trainer and then I've just started, well, when – you can after shielding like I will restart it but like I I really enjoyed the lifting and it's like I'm quite small I'm five foot two five foot three ish and people are oh, small girls don't lift and it's like yeah they oh, do you want to bet like yeah that's the thing it's, it's a universal thing anyone can anyone can do it you know mm. there's a bit of technique to it but it doesn't like take long to grasp and um yeah when I was sort of uh, again because of this gymnastics background I got a real technique for a lot of sports. You know, I'm not trying to blow my own trumpet here and say, world's greatest athlete, but gymnastics is such an all round discipline. Yeah. You've got speed, agility, mobility, technique, all these different things come into it. So I kind of took quite well to most sports that I tried and um, lifting was one of them. And of course, in gymnastics, it's, it's a lot of strength work, a lot of strength and conditioning. So quite naturally at that stage, I could do a lot with my own body weight. Mm. So I felt quite strong straight away. And that was the hook I needed really to, because I'm starting, you know, I'm comparing to my peers around me who are similar age, weight, size, who are not as strong naturally because they hadn't had that gymnastics background. So straight away, that was the hook for me. It was kind of, oh, you're pretty good at this. You know, you, you're doing all right straight away. So um, I can remember doing a few competitions locally again, just where you can compete against heavier guys but they'll do kind of the body weight calculation to figure out well yeah if you would level if you level the playing field here who's stronger yeah and more often than not you know i was coming out as stronger than some of these guys who were more than double my size which was great for the confidence levels you should go on um, world's strongest man <laughs> i don't think i'm quite there yet but um and having said that as well 
since Trikafter. I don't know if you're the same, but Caftrio, Trikafter. Since then, my weight has shot up even further than what I was trying to make it, you know, shoot in that direction prior to that anyway. And um, the body weight stuff has noted that the weight's gone further than mm. <laughs> it's progressed higher than, you know, so chin-ups, for example, maybe 12, 15 chin-ups quite easily prior to trike after, you know, that's come down slightly since the weight's gone through <laughs> the roof. So. Yeah. But, uh, but no, I love it. I love the challenge. I love the fact that the only way to succeed with weightlifting with, with any of this stuff is that idea of progressive overload. So every week you're challenging yourself that little bit further and you've got to try and do a little bit more every time you enter the gym or in my case, go into the back garden. And, and I know. That isn't like your setup is incredible in your, in your back garden. And like, what's your dog's name? The dog's called 50. That's as cute. in <laughs> after 50 cent. That's right. Um, after 50 cent. Yeah. It's a bit of a just random one where picking up the dog on the day that I had him and there was a 50 cent record on and because <laughs> I hadn't thought of anything else, that was it. And it kind of just stuck. And now I've like, it's just 50. It just works. He's like, <laughs> what type of dog is he? He's a British, well, English bulldog, but you, a lot of people yeah. refer to him as, as British bulldogs. But yeah, he's typical sort of Churchill dog. Same yeah. colour, same statue, slow, muscular, yeah. probably a bit fat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's great. He's my shielding buddy. Yeah. So have you been shielding that on your own? Yes. So uh, I live on my own, usually. Um, however, mum was in the process of moving house oh. whilst lockdown was on. And because, um, so long story short, she's building a new house down in South Wales where my sister lives, but that can't commence just yet because we can't all mix and all that kind of thing. Mm. So interim, she's moved in here. Um, so yeah, I've got mum here at the moment. But yeah, pretty much all of last year spent just me and the dog um the two together yeah best mates and, uh, bet that was to survive it yeah i bet that was tough because obviously like, i was shielding with my parents even though i couldn't see my boyfriend like i still had those two to like chat to with and be with and you know like that human yeah so. it, it was tough like in all honesty and seriousness last year was probably the toughest year of my life so it's it, highest high and lowest low. Mm. Highest high being Trikafta, Captrio, mm. the drug that I'd argue has, has given me decades potentially in life. Yeah. Um, but also I lost my dad. So my, my dad was quite unwell before COVID kicked off and pretty sure it was COVID that took him back in April last year. So, mm. so the family's had a rough one from that perspective because we've not had that opportunity to get together and to, to process that, you know, and yeah, I couldn't go to the funeral. So, oh, God. you know, at that time, again, in the same way that we were told not even to leave the house, it was all around that time, you know, so the idea of going to a funeral was just too risky at that time. And that's a bit of a regret, wished I'm, you know, with what we know now, wish I had have gone, but it was so hard to know what the right thing to do was That's at cool. the time. Yeah. No, so, um, you just go with the advice, don't you? Yeah. Can you take me back to when you were diagnosed? Obviously, you're a little bit older than me, which I didn't realise. Just a little bit. Um, Slightly. Just a, a decade or so. Yeah. <laughs> but CF has come along so much in my lifetime. The treatments and everything. You know, I remember when and this is quite niche, but when DNAs was new and everyone was like, oh yeah. my gosh, this new nebulizer. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's come on so far and like the heel prick test wasn't, didn't diagnose CF when I was born. So I was diagnosed yeah. at two years old. Mm -hmm. um, but what was it like when you were diagnosed? Because <laughs> I'm pretty I mean, sure it wouldn't have been amazing. Probably not. I mean, you'd probably have to, have to ask mom for a detailed understanding of this, but so I was diagnosed, I think, at around 18 months. So obviously my knowledge of that is very limited. Um, like I, I was chatting to someone else about this the other day around sort of this idea of CF technology, because there's a bit of that appearing nowadays with 
lung function devices and even virtual appointments, you know, the idea of that is so new to us. Um, so there's a lot changing, but I mean, back in the day, I had kind of a foam wedge, which I would lie on on the floor, which is yeah. what was used to tip me up over one side and to do to to do the patting with. Already mentioned the horrific nebulizers, which were huge, colossal machines that were so noisy that mm. you know you sit there for a good half an hour chugging away at because the efficiency of how it delivered the med into your lungs just wasn't great, so it took forever. Yeah. Um, but there was no real. There was absolutely nothing that you could you could argue was any type of root cause treatment. It was all just how do we deal with all these different symptoms? So whether it be digestive issues, whether it be the lungs itself, it was all to do with the symptom rather than the cause. And yet there's so many things now which is about treating root cause or prevention of any issue yeah. altogether just like the lung function thing. So we all now monitor lung function on an ongoing basis from home with our own devices, or most people do, I think anyway, particularly in the UK. Um, and we're now in a position where we can see trends. So for me beforehand, there was this nervousness on the approach or lead up to a CF appointment. Because unless there was some real significant symptom, you could feel that you were worse you're kind of in the, you weren't in the know. You didn't really know how it was going to go. Mm. I think I feel all right. I've not any time off and I'm still doing my sport. I'm not noticing, but who knows? You can turn mm. up to that session and do that lung function and the numbers could be anything and you've just got to go with it. But that's one day and we can all have a bad day. And the effect, the mental effect of that result as well was catastrophic. It was huge because... If that's a good number, you're walking away with a strut and you're feeling confident and you're getting straight back into work and to fitness and just naturally you will push life that little bit hard because you, you've got the number you wanted. But the flip to that is if you have a bad day, maybe it could be due to just waking up late, having a shit night's sleep, excuse me, having a poor night's sleep <laughs> and, um, you know, getting off on a bad foot in the morning and just as a result, just not being in a great position to do a good technique on the lung function device and you get a bad result. But what's the impact of that? Well, the impact for me was you walk out with your head down, you're feeling bad about yourself. You try and convince yourself, oh, but it was just mm -hmm. situational, circumstantial, but it does weigh heavily, you know, particularly as you start to then look at some of the trends from those numbers and they're pointing downwards and all this kind of thing. So I think now, yeah, treatment has come a long way you're empowered now to take a bit more responsibility because you've got these devices that allow you to track this stuff over time yourself. Um, and when you do go for those appointments, you can look at three, four months worth of data points rather than just one that potentially was bad. And you can say, well, actually, yeah, you've got, you've had a bad day, but the last three weeks, four weeks, five or longer, things are pretty stable. It's very much down to technique as well, because definitely. Yeah. And something, that's hard to learn so for listeners obviously who don't have cf you do your lung function and it's your fev1 so it's sort of your vital lung capacity it's how much when you breathe how much you can breathe out in a second um so it's like a big deep breath in and then like a really powerful breath out sure and you can have a nose clip because that obviously helps or no nose clip or you can yeah. stand up sit down anything and yeah, like it is quite, I don't know how to... It's hard to repeat the exact same technique twice as well, isn't it? You know, yeah. it's, there's so many variables to it. And so like, the technique getting it right is hard. And then if it's low, you'd think, hmm, all right, why is it Why is it low? Do a, do a cough swab of you, see what's, see what's growing. Um, and then it, a bad lung function could result in two weeks of IVs or something. So, yeah, I do think that it's helped that you can have that, have that at home. Um, you mentioned earlier um, how your health deteriorated in 2019. Up until that yeah. point, had you sort of been quite stable? Um, 
I think I would argue that up until maybe early 20s, I was pretty well. As in, CF was just something that I thought about on the run-up to and just after my CF checkups. You know, I, I was pretty compliant. Um, but it didn't interfere with life too much. Or at least that's how my memory serves it. Um, mm -hmm. I'm sure other people who are completely healthy would say otherwise. But I feel as if, yeah, up until early 20s, things were doing okay, despite the fact that, you know, I was fully aware of the fact that my CF team had informed my parents that as CF goes, Mark seems to be having it, you know, he seems to have a lot of rubbish on his chest because my chest was always what was the issue rather than any other things like digestive or anything. Um, but yeah, it wasn't interfering too much with life. So I was working full time. I was doing all the sport that I wanted to. It never, as long as I got the IVs in when I needed them, that would give me the boost I needed and then back around the circle kind of thing. Mm. Mid-20s, there were some key moments where all of a sudden you're kind of going, hang on a minute, how's my lung function so low? And doctors have started to talk, skirt around the idea of we need to be careful here because maybe transplants on the cards for later in life. You know, and it, what, the first time that word's said in the CF clinic is horrifying. Um, so, yeah, more frequent IV sessions, um, three, four per year, every year, really, from 20-odd. Um, so, yeah, it started to creep in and interfere with one or two things and um, turned down a few job opportunities, which could have been really fantastic fantastic um because of the thought of well should i really be working in london full-time and essentially the big smoke or whatever and should i be committing to moving abroad and doing different things so there was a bit of that as well um but yeah towards what age would i have been early 30s maybe 32 33 something major happened <laughs> and that was my parents and I were due to go and spend some time down in South Wales with, with uh, my sister who lives down there. And uh, yeah, we planned to go first thing in the morning. So I woke up nice and early, 6am. And totally out of the blue, even though I hadn't noticed on the run up to that moment that anything was particularly wrong or... I mean, I was very busy at the time, extremely busy, doing two or three different things. But yeah, I woke up that morning and something was wrong. So something noticeably was just wrong. Could not catch my breath whatsoever in the morning. And it was like 6 a.m. or something. So what does a CF do when they can't catch the breath? You think, right, well, get you some nebs down you, open up your airways and do some, you know, airway clearance. And so I'm sitting there aggressively trying to shift what I think is in the way of me being able to breathe correctly. But as it happened, it turned out that my lung had collapsed. And I was none the wiser. Wow. Um, so I, I just couldn't catch my breath. And um, paramedics ended up coming and taking to hospital in the ambulance and x-rayed this, that and the other. And within a couple of hours, I'd got a chest drain hanging out my side and all these different things sort of in the, in the hospital questioning how this has happened and what does this mean for the future and you know, there was talk of if we if this doesn't fix itself, you might need surgery. If you have surgeries, there's a chance that that could ruin any potential for a transplant in the future should you need it. So all of a sudden you've gone from thinking everything's pretty okay to having quite a serious issue on hand to deal with. And, and obviously, as I said, I was quite busy at the time with, I was creating films for people. I'd got a full-time job contracting for an organization. Everything stops. All of a sudden, none of that matters, you know the whole thing stops. Um, so it's a, it was a real moment of clarity of maybe I need to accept that CF's taken over a bit here and I need to make some adjustments potentially. Um, now what ran side by side with this was an issue of vascular access as well. So I mentioned that I was having three to four sets of IVs every year. Um, so again, for those who don't understand 
IV antibiotics essentially going into hospital or having IV administration of drugs through the vein for around two weeks of quite toxic, nasty drugs straight through your veins in order to kill off any bugs and to kind of push that reset button to allow you to to be a bit healthier and and jump your lung function back up to where you, you are usually at. So yeah, I was doing that three to four times a year. And obviously the more you use your veins, the more of a pain they become. You've only got so many. You can only prod, prod a vein so many times before it starts to have enough. And um, quite quickly you can do the math and figure out, well, I've not got that many veins in my arms. At some point I'm going to run out and, and my veins particularly reacted quite badly to IVs in that they'd have a couple of goes everything would be fine. But then the next time you go to use it, it's just nowhere to be seen. And it's just narrowed or collapsed or just disappeared altogether. So you then try and find another one. Um, So again, this was another complication then, which clearly you need more IVs because CF is telling you so, but you're running out of options as to where you can have it. And I tried the portacath option, which is a permanent embedded IV line into either your chest or your arm or somewhere else. And that failed as well. So that failed after sort of 18 months. And the reason wasn't because the device failed. It was because my body said, no, I don't like anything foreign in my body, get it out. So the vascular surgeon was like, well, we could put another one in, but again, you've only got so many main arteries and you don't want to risk them all narrowing because you will run out and then you've got nowhere to go. So all this kind of piled up all at once. I'd got the collapse lung to deal with. I knew there was this ongoing issue with IVs that was approaching and I needed that treatment. There was no other thing on the horizon. I'd got a drug called Orcambi at the time, but that wasn't really doing anything for me. And I think I would argue it was making me worse. Um, so it was a real turning point. And at the end of 2019, the lung function dropped even further. And at this time, I think it was around 32%, which, you know, is you, life gets tough when you get into these low lung functions. You are jumping in taxis more frequently than you'd like to. You are taking lifts rather than stairs all the time if you've got the option. You're parking a bit closer to the, hospi- uh, to the hospital, to the supermarket, to work, wherever you're going, to avoid putting too much stress through walking and fitness is getting a lot harder. Your stamina is reduced, your ability to lift weights and all do all the things that make you feel good in life reduces. So yeah, it was a, a bit of a tough one, but that's when I started to hear about what was going on in America with regards to Trikafter or as we now know it, Caftrio, which was the, the key I was looking for and searching for. Yeah. Wow. The um, I'm still like taken aback by that. That's like, yeah. Um, I know I had like a poor do in 2018 in hospital, but mm-hmm. nothing like that. Um, I think the thing is, you know, you have to remember that there are far more, far more people worse off who've had yeah. a worse deal when it comes to CF. So mm. you've just got to somehow get through it and um, I think I said to you before that despite all of this somehow somewhere deep I felt like something would come along something would save me from the potential that was on the horizon with the veins so the only other feasible option that was looking likely with regards to veins was a vascular a bit of vascular surgery which would have been a sort of a cut from wrist to armpit, open up the arm, find a deep artery within your arm, bring it to the surface, connect it up to other veins that have started to die off. And, and you're sort of sitting there thinking, really, is that, is that where we're at? That there's no other option other than to butcher my arm and all these things. And, but somehow I just believed that, and, and bear in mind that surgery was booked in. So I got a call one Friday afternoon. They said, hi, Mark, we're from the renal ward and you're booked in for surgery next Wednesday. The armpit. I'd not agreed. Yeah, and I'd not agreed at this stage. Oh. The last I heard was, no, no, I want 
the vascular surgeon to sit down with my CF team to hash it out, to come up with every, every other option possible in the world before they go, right, no, we need to go down this route. And then I got the call to say, you're booked in. (laughs) And part of me thought, am I just being weak here and just need to accept facts and get on with it? So I very nearly went for it. I can remember talking to family and friends and they were, they said probably quite rightly, probably just thought, do you know what? The experts have said you need this, so get on with it. You know, Mm. not in those words, but (laughs) maybe you just need to do it, you know? And the sooner it is done, at least you threw it. So I was starting to subscribe to that idea and I was close to saying, yeah, let's do it. And, but I just thought, nah, something else must come along. Yeah. And uh, before, within a matter of weeks, this idea of, of applying for access to Trikafta, which was this new drug, which potentially gets rid of the need for IVs in the first place in, in many cases anyway, or at least the, the number of IVs you will need. Yeah, and it's, it's confusing, isn't it? So there's Vertex, which is this pharmaceutical company in America. Mm-hmm. They made Orkambi, and then I like to say it's a bit like a phone upgrade. So that was like the iPhone 4, Simkevi about the iPhone 6, and then Trikafta's like, but in, in England, it's called CAF Trio. It's like the iPhone 270 in the future. Yeah. Um, these are the first treatments. I mean, there are lots of other companies working on stuff, but Vertex are quite clever in the way that they've, they've got the market. Yeah. Um, there was a debate with the NHS England because the drugs were expensive. The pharmaceutical company wouldn't budge. NHS wouldn't budge. So a lot of us did some campaigning to try and, you know, get it working and yeah so we got access to it and they're the first drugs that treat the root cause for cystic fibrosis they're not just a stick in plaster they they change and sort every single cell and correct what's called the cftr protein in every single cell so and as my doctors say now like i don't really have cf lungs now my lungs don't have that part that doesn't work um we must not forget to say though, there's 10% of people that this drug does not work for um, mm-hmm. because there's lots of different CF mutations. So for those people, they still don't have this. Um, but this is the closest to a cure we have at the moment. There's so much yeah. going on in the future. And, you know, I, I do believe that this is becoming the time and the decade where CF will just be a manageable condition you know it's not going to be known as like a terminal disease or whatever it's just manageable it's mm. like anything else but like you mentioned you put on weight because we struggled to put on weight I put on weight um your lung function you can breathe better a lot of people yeah. said my voice changed like I didn't yeah. breathless breathless laughing without coughing oh, yeah. coughing literally yeah so many aspects that everything. have just changed and, and the amazing thing for me was, for me, it was overnight. So if you if you can imagine that I have coughed for up until that point, 37 or so years, every single day, you know, coughing, all right, it's just coughing. Everyone's had a cough. Um, but I've had that cough for 37 years, every single day. And it's not just a tickly cough. It is a horrible it's, yeah. cough where you are shifting rubbish as you do that. And, and- sorry for being... Graphic. You know, graphic there. I think but it's a cough that, that to disappear sounds, overnight. Yeah, I think is, it's a cough that sounds similar. Like my mum and dad would say, they could hear, or they would hear a cough and be like, "Is that Lucy?" Yeah, like, that sounds like, you know, and like I don't cough as much now, but it, it was habit as well. I think, but Definitely, like yeah. O- yeah. overnight, yeah, like I, I'd say maybe two weeks with me. Um. And like since then, I've run a half marathon. I've I've done crazy wow. things. I yeah. don't like running though; it was quite torturous. And <laughs> um, I'm trained to become a zumba instructor, so I do zumba. I still do my tap dancing and everything, and I can walk up hills now and yeah. keep up with with people. And I tell a funny story where we went skiing just before lockdown last year in March, and I'd been on Caftrio. Yeah. Um. And we went skiing and we did 17 miles, I think. And we didn't stop, didn't stop for food or anything. This was like my tour, didn't stop for food, didn't stop. Like I was like bombing it. 
And my boyfriend and mum and my dad were like, we don't have this calf trio magic. We can't keep up with you. And I was like... Yeah, yeah, we're like wind-up toys that just never never fall over. It's unbelievable. Like I, I think I likened it in the early days, like last year, to... I think only if you've been through a real struggle can you understand what it's like to almost like a catapult you've been stretched back and held back and then someone's cut the cut the elastic and you've gone ping and you've gone off in the other direction and that for me it was how it felt that just held back held back held back but you just all this time you're winding up with energy and all of a sudden Mm. calf trios give me the ability to just let go and it's it's yeah it's thrown me forward um and like it's you said, time back. Yeah, it's put decades. Yeah, without a doubt. It's time day to day as well. So, I mean, in twenty in twenty nineteen, I was I was working full time, but I was doing a contract for a, a fashion retailer in Manchester. So I was living in Manchester with a friend and working full time, but it got to a stage where I was frequently getting unwell and I was having to say to the team well can I just come in in the morning start whatever piece of work I was working on but then take it back at lunchtime because then that allowed me to do an extra session of physio during the day so I was doing I was waking up in the morning two hours of physio in the morning and two hours of not just tablets or nebulizers actually trying to get rid of rubbish on my chest same again then at uh, lunchtime another two hours same again in the evening so that was like six hours of my day and we could all use more time you know life's hard enough without this Mm -hmm. but six hours of my day was gone just on trying to just breathe and uh, now treatments take minutes you know i do a quick check to make sure there's nothing there and there isn't and um so you've got all that day-to-day time back as well and like you say your body's not working as hard so you're not burning off calories the same, so you can put more weight on, and that's healthy for us on from that standpoint. You yeah. are far more consistent with everything, so I'm not taking time out of work. You know, I've not missed a day of my training and fitness for a year. It's and just like, not as tired. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You've just got that energy and that zest for life that CF was trying to chip away at you for, and um, yeah, just couldn't be more thankful. Really, I was I was ready for it. And I think like we're all very determined people and very like now we literally just like enjoy every moment, which I think in a way is why it's been so annoying and shielding as well, because it's like, oh yeah. my gosh, I want to go here. I want to go there. I want to do this. Exactly, I yeah. do that. And it's like, well, I, I've not flown either. So I've not been abroad, you know, I'm not the big, you know, I'm not desperate to go traveling or anything like that, but I've not been able to since my lung collapsed because obviously the, the pressure in a, in a cabin of an aeroplane is probably not so great if you've got dodgy lungs and particularly ones that have popped before. So I was waiting for a bit of an okay to say, all right, you've recovered enough now to go. And without a shadow of a doubt, I've now recovered enough thanks to Tricafter. But yeah. of course, as you say, we've all got this new lease of life, but we're held back even further at the minute mm. thanks to, um, to COVID. So it's a tough one, but I think things are moving in the right direction, hopefully. Not trying to jinx it. I've got my fingers crossed. I had my other vaccine this morning, so I'm two in now. So I'm yeah. technically superhuman now. <laughs> yeah. Can you feel the? No, I'm not going to say what I was going to say. Um. Yeah. And I also think though that like with the track after calf trio, it wasn't just us that were thankful. Like I had friends in. People I went to primary school and high school with that were literally crying for me and were like, I saw you on the news. I've seen that Mm. these drugs have been passed. I'm literally crying my eyes out for you right now. And I think like that support was so overwhelming as well. Like it's not just been my journey. It's been my parents' journey. It's been Mm. my friend's journey. It's not necessarily been my boyfriend's journey, right? Because he came along in June, 2019. So he didn't have much time to and he only went through like two sets of IVs with me so it's all been good for him but like but like yeah it's been everyone's journey and it's just Mm. incredible but like the the doctors are still learning about everything yeah 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 I I think at the minute we're we're sort of more in the know if anything than some of those guys because we're so invested in it 
we'll read every article we'll watch every video we'll yeah obviously we're sharing stuff as a community as well um but yeah i think um you know my mum was ready for this if anyone i think mum could see that i needed a break my best mate definitely because as i said i lived with him in manchester at my worst so he you know he was the type of guy who if i wake up in the middle of the night coughing and the real cf cough where someone's listening and going is he all right Mm. (laughs) you know he he's he'd be sitting on the end of the bed just checking him all right you know and yeah so he's seen me at my worst and that's a good friend to have that is a really oh yeah 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 Um, he he was more like (laughs) if anything he was more like a girlfriend (laughs) in that (laughs) sense you know he'd got that that real care that you would expect from a from a life partner so i guess in many ways he is <laughs> oh yeah but no it was it, i think for everyone it was just oh breath of fresh air you know it was literally. the break like like you said it was just like give him a break like yeah you can just walk down a road and breathe in something and then you've got pseudomonas like give him a yeah. break yeah. <laughs> um, yeah yeah and so in terms of like the cf community I will promise we're going to like stop talking about this CF stuff. <laughs> um, like, did you watch Five Feet Apart and any of any of that? Not straight away. So I'll be honest, I was anti-CF community my entire life. Um, in my mind, even though I've just described all the horrors of my CF story, mm somehow i always just thought that oh i've not got it as bad as everyone else because i'm doing x y and z and it's not getting in the way of this and that and i'm i'm still doing all these things and so i'm I, i'm better off staying out of that because then i won't see any of the negative side of it i won't lose cf friends yeah and have to deal with that mentally as well um give cf the time it needs move on do achieve your goals, do whatever. That was my sort of mindset. I never for a second did I consider what could be gained from all these things. So when the the movie came out, Mm. I was just like, nah, it's not for me. Not going to watch it. Um, So only a matter of maybe a year or two ago did I actually sit down and watch it. Um, But yeah, this this past year, I've kind of wised up, I think, a lot more around why it's probably important to share your story and to be a bit more open and mm. not just for other people's sake to understand what you're going through, but vice versa. You know, so many of my friends now are CFers. I've spoken more to my CF friends over the last year than a hell of a lot of my lifelong friends. Through no that- one's fault. I don't blame them. I think that's mm. just the nature of the times. Um but they they checking on me a hell of a lot more than you know lifelong friends apart from my life partner friend that I've just mentioned. <laughs> but it's tough, it's tough as well though, isn't it? Because you think like we can't meet each other mm. because of cross infection. So like I'll never be able to sit with you in a garden and chat. Like I'm sure yeah. some CF people do. Yeah, but I think that would be harder because you couldn't hug or you couldn't, you know, you'd have to really be very, very careful because like our lungs are sort of damaged tissue and our, the bacteria like, Oh, I want some of your, and then they just infect. And I just think it is hard because you've got this thing in common and I've made a friend with CF who's, who's local. Um, and it is hard, isn't it? Cause you think. No one understands you more than that person really do they? I know we've got amazing family and friends and, boyfriends girlfriends around us or whatever but they don't get it really you know they have a very good understanding of living with you Mm. the only person who knows what it feels like is someone else who has it so completely if you open yourself up to the idea of spending time with that person in person for me it's it's only natural that the bond with them would grow to such a point where you would want to be in close contact hugging high-fiving whatever yeah um but yeah it's a real risk which is such a shame and it's it's like the um the five feet apart where they like 
so American, but like they fell in love and they couldn't, <laughs> spoiler alert, they like, they couldn't hug, but then they wanted to hug and then they wanted to touch each other's hands and like they couldn't yeah. do any of this. And you think, and I remember I watched it. I was like, advised not to watch it, but I watched it. I watched it on my own in the house on my own. And um, I remember I watched it and then I texted my boyfriend saying, I'm so thankful I can hold your hand. He was like, you've watched that stupid <laughs> film, haven't you? And I was like, yeah. And then COVID hit and I couldn't touch it, like hold his hand for six yeah. months. I was yeah. like, uh-huh. But, um, yeah. but yeah, I think like that is one thing that I wish we could all meet up because it'd be such a good time. It'd be such a well, good time. especially now, now that we've all got a bit of good news to celebrate. Like, I mean, how good would some sort of CF festival where, you know, everyone could get together, I don't know, camp out, you know, get some music on, everyone yeah. get a bit smashed <laughs> and just enjoy a bit of good news. But that would yeah, be... we're just not there yet. Oh, we're not quite there. I- I've got no doubt that in the future it will get there. Do you think? One day, it has to. A cure will happen. Yeah. I've got no doubt that it will. And, and if a cure's there, then the cure's there. True. So, so but yeah, maybe not in my lifetime, but it's good to, good to dream yeah. of these things. So like you said, you're a digital creator. You're very creative as a person generally. Like just your aesthetic of your background of your Zooms very creatively. <laughs> like, Thank you. I don't know what that background... The, the, like, yes. the lines. Is it wallpaper? Yes. No, that's... Um, they're sort of wood slats that are perfectly spaced on an acoustic background so that it's the, the sound is nice and dead in the room. It's so you'll it's... notice the really good sound quality of my microphone. Uh... It is really nice. But you also released a song last year? I did. The year before? Yeah, uh, last, last June, yeah. Called A Thousand Years. Correct. Yeah, and that was really that is a really good song. Why don't you, you shout about that? Um, well, I did. I did a lot of shouting last year. <laughs> I think the thing about songs is um, they come and go, don't they? And you know, within a couple of weeks, the next one's around, and and that's it. But Cardi B bumped you off number one with her. Yeah, one. well. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was so again back to 16 17 I, I sort of went to music college and i was a dj for a while in my early 20s and wow. music's always been a big part of me um i play the guitar just love music love creating music as well um just before covid i was working two days a week in a recording studio locally a friend of mine runs it we um we have artists come in and i write music for them produce for them and all that kind of stuff so yeah, it was a big part of my life, and um, I've always written songs, but uh, I'd, ne- I'd never considered myself a great writer. It was always quite forced. I will sit down and I will write a song, and I'll force mm. my way through it. But um, you know, it's true what they say in that if you've got something to say, which I did at the time, all this stuff around Tricaster and how amazing I felt off the back of it, when you've got something to say, these things write themselves, and there was nothing else to do so sat down wrote a song in minutes <laughs> and um i've got the kit at home so i just thought you know what i'm gonna gonna record it and just see what the community thinks and thankfully they loved it and it did all right yeah so another good little passion project to keep me busy and shielding <laughs> yeah and if anyone wants to listen to it it is on spotify and it is called it is years, and it is very yeah. good it is thank you very good no problem Thank you. <laughs> nice little plug <laughs> um, um and then so the business now that's like your baby is called yeah. eureka correct so yeah. why don't you sort of tell me what that is and maybe it's your hope for it kind of in the future yeah so um I've spent a lot of time working with businesses as a contractor. So that involves having a lot of CVs, doing a lot of interviews um, and just going from business to business, sort of doing at least a different business every year. Sometimes, I mean, I worked for consultancy in, in sort of 2012, where it was eight different clients throughout a year. So a lot of exposure to different businesses. And what that gives you is a, 
an opportunity to network and meet other people and um, all these sorts of things as well. And whilst I was working in Manchester for, as I say, the, the digital fashion retailer, I met a guy um, who had this idea. And the idea was uh, around this company called Eureka. Now, what it is right now is an investment platform um, which allows anyone to invest their money to achieve whatever financial goal it is that they are striving for, whether that be, I don't know, they want to build a nest egg for their kids or they want to build up a pot of money to send their kids off to university in the future or maybe they're renting and they've got ideas of saving for a house deposit so that they can buy a house. Maybe it's they want to travel the world post-COVID. Any type of sort of real milestone, big financial goal, then these days there's not many options on how to achieve it other than put your money in savings and it won't grow, which is pretty much much factual right now. Interest rates are, what, 0.1%. And the other option is work harder, work longer, work harder, get a side hustle. And ultimately we all want time back. We don't want to waste too much of our time. We don't want to give away too much of our time because the stress side of things comes in and um, we've only got so much time. So the other option is you can make your money work for you, which is where investing comes in. But Eureka is an investment platform that we built with two key differentiators. The first one is if you ever mention the word investing, the first thing that people start to talk about is risk and how risky are you? What's your tolerance for risk? And every other platform out there will start with that question. What's your tolerance for risk? And based on that, they'll give you a portfolio um, suited to your risk tolerance. So if you answer, well, I'm really cautious, you'll get a cautious portfolio uh, that isn't as volatile. So you won't see as many ups and downs, or that's the idea. Or if you're really adventurous, then you'll get a more volatile portfolio that has got the potential for more reward. But for me, there was one key thing missing in that conversation. And that is how long are you going to be investing for and what's your goal? So if you've got a much longer period of time that you want to achieve your goal in, for example, I'm saving for retirement or a nest egg for the kids or university for the kids, it's at least sort of 18 years down the line by knowing the time frame that puts us in a much better position to allocate a, a portfolio that's going to work for you over that amount of time so our first key differentiator is time-based portfolios so you come to us and say i've got this goal of x this is how long i want to invest for we then give you a portfolio that has worked consistently for that type of time frame Yes, there will be ups and downs in the interim, but it's designed to get you to your outcome within that time frame. So that's the first thing. We believe it, re- it leads to better outcomes more often than all the alternatives out there. Second thing is subscription fees. So every other investment platform out there will charge a percentage-based fee. So what that means is, essentially, the more money... The more your portfolio grows, the more your investments grow, wonderful, over time, the more you pay for the service. Because if it's, I don't know, 0.5%, then it's 0.5% of whatever your pot is. Mm -hmm. If that's a fiver, if that's 10, if that's 100 grand, if that's 200 grand or more, then obviously the more it grows, the more you're paying for the service. And we reject that idea. Why should you be paying more for a service when you're getting the same service mm. and essentially it, it stifles your ability to grow that money because you're constantly taking a chunk off the top rather than leaving it to grow for you. So as I say, our second key differentiator is subscription fees. The service costs five pounds a month, whether you're investing one pound or a million. And, um, sorry, did you say five pounds a month? Five pounds per month. Yeah. So, You pay that regardless of the size of your portfolio. You never pay more. And what that means is 
more of your money can work for you. You're not constantly having that chunk taken away. And um, that just leads to thousands upon thousands in savings over the term of a longer goal like university fees, nest egg, retirement, all these different things that take time. What's a nest um, egg? So a nest egg could be just a pot of money that you want to build to pass on to a family member in the future. So right. there's no sort of rule as to how big that nest egg might be. It could be that I've not really got the specific goal in mind, but if I pass on a little nest egg, a little pot of money to my kids in the future or family member, then they've got a good start in life. They've got the ability to, I don't know, travel the world, have a gap year, um, go to university without getting into debt, um, get on the housing ladder. Or it could be a family nest egg where I'm going to put away now because in the future, the family's going to enjoy that money when mm -hmm. we've got the ability to do so. So ultimately, with those two key things that we do differently, as a takeaway, on average, we save our members up to five years on key goals like that because more of your money is working for you and you've got the ability to grow it faster for longer um, and reach that that better outcome and it costs you less in the process as well that's incredible we think so yeah um so we've got high aspirations we've um investing is the first service that we want to bring to the table but there are other things that we want to do as well um but yeah i think i think the key takeaway is that we've built this to put whatever your outcome is at the absolute center of everything so if there's there's no aspect of the way that we've set this up that doesn't serve you in getting you to that outcome which i think is relatively unique in this space because as i said every other platform out there is about how much more can i make from someone the longer you invest for the more we make the more money you put in, the more we make. So it's true. the opposite with us. It's five quid a month. We don't really care whether you put a fiver in a month, a tenner in a month, 200 quid or a thousand. We don't make any more money. All we can tell you is if you have a goal, you have an amount that you need to reach, we'll give you the process to get there. I think this, the, the investing industry in general is wonderful at getting you started. So there's things like Moneybox where you can round up your spare change and all these different things and it'll invest itself, invest the money for you. And getting started is really easy now. You can invest any amount. You don't need a certain amount to start. But not many talk about getting you to why, you know, the purpose of why you started investing. Mm. And that's what we're about, really. So, yeah, that's the baby. That's what I've been working on during lockdown with my business partner. Um, that's keeping me busier than any of the other content I create and yeah. any other things. So. so, wow. That sounds like you're onto something there. Um, Hopefully. Yeah. So, like, to sum up, if people want to find out more information about that. Yeah, sure. So, um, we're on... Um, we're pretty new, so you know it's not like something that's that you may have heard of yet. So um, we we make no apologies for that. We are just starting out. We launched in January, so this is a pretty new service. But you can find out more at eureka dot com, and it's eureka spelled E U R I K A H. Um, and you can also find us on Instagram, a good place to start, or YouTube. So yeah, we we're um, we're just starting out, but um, we've already got quite a, a large number of members who like what we do. We've got a lot of people in the industry are, are taking note. And um, yeah, we're in the process at the minute of um, trying to find investments so we can we can scale even further and, and do even more great things. Wow. That is that does sound amazing and such a good like business idea. Um, I've really enjoyed this chat. Thank you very much. Me too. Me too. It's been great. Yeah. Um, yeah, just amazing. And like Mark said, if you're interested in the investment sort of business he has or his digital creating or his um, singing or his <laughs> fitness or, you know, he's just like a man of many talents. So wow. give him a follow on his Instagram. Do you want to plug that as well, your Instagram? Yeah, so if you, uh, if you want to connect, 
you want to collaborate, if you've got a cool idea for a piece of content, if you are maybe a business who wants a bit of content, maybe you are in the CF space and you want to reach out, I'm on Instagram. It's um, at Mark Cotterell. Put some spellings in there. So replace the A with a four just to make things difficult. And it's Mark with a C. Um, but yeah, I'm on Instagram. Um, I try to put a bit of content out every week or so. At the minute, I'm working on a series called Share My uh, Sharing Your Story, which is CF related, and it's all about exactly what we do now, really, having conversations with real CFers and talking about the benefits of sharing your story. Uh, as I said, it took me many years to open up, but I've seen loads of, of positive things as a result of doing so. So that's a little series I'm doing on Instagram and YouTube just to to shine a light, hopefully encourage one or two others to maybe open up and in my mind, it's a great way to take a bit of the weight off your shoulders, um, albeit with a a bit of a caveat that says we all know social media, too much of it is a little bit too much and it can be detrimental. But I think, um, yeah, there's loads of benefits, for, particularly from a CF perspective, whilst shielding to reach out and understand how everyone else is doing and to know that you are not on your own um, because you never know who that might inspire as well. So, yeah, reach out, say hello. Amazing. No, thanks, Mark. No, thank you. It's been great. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. To keep up to date with all things from a Lancashire Lass, follow on Facebook and Instagram at from a Lancashire Lass.